This is Steve Hiles welcoming you to episode 26 of the Teacher Rockstar podcast, a place where tips and strategies critical to the new teacher are discussed. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the best techniques for brain-based learning. But before we do, we have a word from our sponsor. If you are a brand new teacher, student teacher, or a teacher returning back to the classroom after an extended absence, then the Teacher Rockstar Academy course is for you. Be ready to crush it on day one and beyond. Learn how to write exciting lessons that captivate your students. Set up your classroom for maximum instructional productivity and acquire the tools for managing student behavior. Avoid a year of stress and not being as productive as you could be. This course will put your life on a whole new trajectory. Go to TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. That's TeacherRockstarAcademy.com. Okay, let's dive right in. The brain is the most important and complex part of human anatomy. So complex that scientists still don't know how exactly it works. But in the 1990s, many research and discoveries were made. One of those that is considered important for educators and teachers is that every person learns similarly, yet in different ways. Now, this phrase is as confusing as the functions of the human brain are. So let's explore what it means what are the benefits of brain learning, and how effectively you can use the well-known techniques in your classroom setting. Like I said, each person learns similarly, yet in different ways, based on their unique brain. Through studies and the use of technology, scientists were literally able to non-invasively peer into the brain as it received and analyzed stimuli. In doing so, they were able to view and photograph different areas of the brain Um, as it addressed the information that was being received. The result was a virtual mapping of the brain to identify where many specialized functions occurred. Because of this information, we now better understand how and where learning occurs and can develop strategies to strengthen learning activities. Like any other concept or theory, Uh, Brain-based learning has limitations and sources of information about it should always be verified and in some cases even challenged. Still, there has now been enough research done to indicate the value of implementing many of the findings on how the brain learns best. For thousands of years, teachers have taught subjects from medical to astrology, philosophy to engineering to art. Many teachers were convinced that the best students were those who paid the most attention to their lectures and spent the most time reading and rereading all of their homework assignments. Other teachers noticed that many students responded better to more creative ways of teaching than lectures and reading assignments and adjusted their curriculum accordingly. Many teachers succeeded in regularly reaching students and inspiring them to learn, while others didn't. The history of education is also replete with teachers who treated each student as an individual and teachers who believe that treating every student the same was important. Of course, everyone who has ever been a student remembers teachers who were enthusiastic and energetic as well as teachers who treated the classroom as the location uh, of their regular job rather than their passion. Uh, I want to point out, though, that Eric Jensen has made remarkable breakthrough in the field of brain learning. 
says that brain-based learning is not a panacea or a magic bullet to solve all of education's problems. Anyone who represents that to others is misleading them. There is not yet a one-size-fits-all brain-based program, model, or package for schools to follow. So those who think mastering one way of teaching will start producing the most brilliant minds, well, that's not actually the case. For example, stress is a significant factor of brain-based learning. Research suggests that those teachers who purposely manage the level of stress experience a more positive class attitude. There are many ways to decrease stress in a classroom, such as integrating stretching exercises, incorporating recess, teaching coping skills, and utilizing physical education. Evidence suggests that moderate glucose levels enhance learners' memory making, since glucose can be enhanced through food, uh, stimulation of emotions, and physical activity, teachers can manage their instructional strategies so that students can better maintain moderate glucose levels. This strategy can help students form stronger memories. So how can neuroscience help us in the classroom? First, here's the brief background. In the late 1990s, several neuroscientists were running experiments with rats. Okay, <laughs> that's no big news story because it happens every day. But these scientists were linking the feeding of rats to a specific frequency with everyday foods. The big news story was that after four weeks of conditioning, the rats, their auditory cortex literally changed and remapped itself. In fact, it changed so much that the rats added more space in their brain that was sensitive to the specific frequency of the tone they heard when food arrived. Brains can and do change if you know how to do it. Now, there are many different opinions on brain-based learning. Many people agree to the effectiveness. Uh, others claim there are better ways of doing the same task of educating people. I cannot deny those claims, but I am sure brain-based learning works. But you cannot just go to your next class and start doing it. It needs a foundation, a starting point, if you will, to take things from there. Often, students must feel physically and emotionally safe in the classroom for real learning to take place. That's a very important thing to mention here. By creating a positive classroom environment where students feel supported and encouraged, you'll open up the doors for your students to learn the best. Welcoming your students in class each day can increase student engagement and many educators have found that setting a positive tone at the beginning of the day with uh, classroom greetings creates a sense of community. When students talk about concepts they've learned, they're more likely to retain the information. Implementing turn and talk or share with a partner time into your uh, lessons can help students process what they've just read discuss ideas before sharing them with the class, and clarify problems they may have had while completing homework. This strategy can be implemented as a warm-up activity during class discussions or as a closing activity to round out the day. By letting your students discuss their ideas, you're giving them a chance to describe what they have learned in their own words and helping them explain their thoughts to their classmates. Many people are visual learners who absorb and recall information best by seeing. As a matter of fact, I'm one of them uh, kind of folks. 
in a virtual setting, providing additional context to lessons with visual elements, such as breaking up your slides with a, uh, a GIF uh, that calls students' attention back during a lecture, or finding a quick video of the science concepts you are discussing, are simple ways to hold students' uh, interests remotely. Changing out your Zoom background to align with the theme of your lesson, or wearing a silly hat, for example, or a decorative necktie, are other fun ways to incorporate visual elements into your teaching. Chunking, very important here. I wanted to make uh, note of this. Chunking or breaking down difficult or large pieces of text into smaller pieces has been proven to help students identify key words, and phrases, paraphrase, and understand the text in their own words. By breaking down a large piece of text into more manageable pieces, students are able to better understand and comprehend the material. And as I said before, this concept is referred to as chunking. Chunking can also be used to break down pieces of your instruction into smaller, manageable pieces. Work through lengthy instructions step-by-step step with your students to help them understand each piece of what is being asked of them. Now, another good point to bring out here, brain breaks are a great way to get your students up and moving, and they have been shown to increase brain activity. You're probably already familiar with how fidgety your students can get when sitting in their desk for long periods of time, so incorporate some movement into the day uh, can really help. I mean, think about it. How would you feel sitting in, in your chair for 45 minutes to an hour? I mean... And that's ridiculous, you know. But uh, at any rate, luckily, brain breaks are easy to implement in any classroom setting, and they require almost no setup. Before we continue on uh, discussing brain-based learning, we have another word from our sponsor. My friend, I'd like to share with you my free Let's Write a Book activity for grades 3 through 5 students. Now, this resource includes templates, and step-by-step -step directions for creating their very own mini-book. Your students are going to be so proud to author their very own book. All you have to do is simply go to GetStartedOnTheRightFoot.com. That's GetStartedOnTheRightFoot.com. And again, your kids are really going to love this activity. Okay, let's go ahead and move on. Malleable memories. Memories are often not encoded at all. Encoded poorly change or not retrieved. The result is that students rarely remember what we think they should. Memories are susceptible to inattention. They erode over time, subject bias, misattribution, and a host of other confounding conditions. Memories are strengthened by frequency, intensity, and practice under varying conditions and context. Non-conscious experience runs automatic behaviors. The complexity of the human body requires that we automate many behaviors. The more we automate, the less we are aware of them. Most of our behaviors have come from either undisputed downloads from our environment or repeated behaviors that have become automatic. This suggests potential problems and opportunities in learning. The next point I want to address is reward and addiction dependency. Humans have a natural craving for positive feelings including novelty, fun, reward, and personal relationships. There is a natural instinct to limit pain, even if it means compromising our integrity. 
For complex learning to occur, students need to defer gratification and develop the capability to go without an immediate reward. The next area, attentional limitations. Most people cannot pay attention very long, except during flow states because they cannot hold much information in their short-term memory. It is difficult for people to maintain focus for extended periods of time. We are born with the capacity to orient and fixate attention when it comes to contrast, movement, emotions, or survival. But classroom learning requires a level of learned attention and many teachers don't know how to teach this skill. Adapting the content to match the learner provides better attention and motivation to learn. Now the next point here is brain seeks and creates understanding. The human brain is a meaning maker and meaning seeker. We assign value and meaning to many everyday occurrences, whether it's individual or not. Meaning making is an important human attribute that allows us to predict and cope with experiences. The more important the meaning, the greater the attention one must pay in order to influence the content of the meaning. That makes sense. Okay, uh, this next uh, area I want to discuss is rough drafts and gist learning. Brains rarely get complex learning right from the first time. Instead, they often sacrifice accuracy for simply developing a rough draft, if you will, of the learning material. And if, over time, the learning material maintains or increases in its importance and relevance, the brain will upgrade the rough draft to improve meaning and accuracy. To this end, prior knowledge changes more rapidly than random learning. Learning is enhanced by brain mechanisms with contrasting output and input goals. Now let's talk about input limitations here. Several physical structures and processes uh, limit one's ability to take in continuous new learning. The slowdown mechanisms include the working memory, the synaptic formation time for complex encoding, and the hippocampus. While we can expose our brain to a great deal of information in a short time frame, the quality of that exposure is known as priming okay, and is not considered in-depth learning. Schools typically try to cram as much content as possible in a day as possible. <laughs> you can teach faster, but students will just forget faster. Doesn't that make sense? Okay, let's discuss perception influences our experience. A person's experience of life is highly subjective. Many studies show how people are easily influenced to change how we see and what we hear, feel, smell, and taste. Uh, this subjectivity alters experience, which alters perception. When a person changes the way they perceive the world, they alter their experience. Now, it is experience that drives change in the brain. Okay, the next thing I want to talk about is malleability, neural plasticity. Uh, the brain changes every day, and more importantly, we influence those changes, okay? Uh, new areas of brain plasticity and overall malleability are regularly discovered. It is known that uh, experience can drive physical changes in the sensor, uh, sensory rather, cortex, frontal lobes, temporal lobes, amygdala, and hippocampus. 
In addition, whole systems can adapt to experience such as the reward system or stress response system. The last area I want to discuss is the emotional-physical state dependency. Now, nearly every type of learning includes a go or no-go command to the brain in our neural net signaling process. Uh, these complex signals are comprised of excite or suppress signals. Emotions can provide the brain's signals to either move ahead or not. Thus, learning occurs through a complex set of continuous signals which input your brain about whether to form a memory or not. Both emotional and bodily states influence our attention, memory, learning, meaning, and behavior through these signaling systems. Well, this brings us to the end of this episode. Thanks for listening to the Teacher Rockstar podcast. I'm your host, Steve Hiles. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these tips and strategies on brain-based learning, and I hope that you really found some value out of this and can apply some of these strategies to your classroom. And when you get a chance, visit my blog and subscribe to my newsletter for the latest educational research, freebies, and other goodies at stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. That's stevesclassroomresources.blogspot.com. And don't forget to subscribe to us at the Teacher Rockstar Podcast. And if you'd like to support us, please feel free to share our podcast with others. Post about it on social media. Leave us a rating and review. That would be totally cool. Thanks again, and we'll see you same time, same place next week. And remember, my friend, you got this.